Blog Talk Radio. In my past life as a soccer coach, uh, once you win a national championship, everybody wants to come play for you. Really not true. Um, Once you pay them $25,000 a year in scholarships, everybody wants to come play for you. And parents would always come to me and they'd say, okay, uh, my son or my daughter wants to come play at your university. What is it that we have to do? Um, You know, what are you looking for? And being the Socratic professor that I am, I said, well, what does your son or daughter do? What do they do really well that we'd be interested in? And typically their answers are, well, they've got great vision. They're really good. They can see the entire field. Or my daughter is the fastest player. There's nobody that can beat her. Or my son's got a great left foot or really, really great in the air and can head every ball. I'm like, yeah, not bad. But to be quite honest with you, those are the last things I'm looking for. The most important thing, self-confidence. Without that skill, and I use the word skill intentionally, without that skill, we are useless as a soccer player. Because when you lose sight or belief in yourself, we're done for. I use the definition of self-confidence to be the ability or the belief to believe in yourself to, to accomplish any task, no matter the odds, no matter the difficulty, no matter the adversity. The belief that you can accomplish it. Self-confidence. Some of you are saying, oh, great, I don't have it, I'm so shy, I'll, I'll never do good. I'm so... And you start to drag all the way down here. But I use the word skill because I believe it can be trained. And I'll show you a couple of ways in which we do. Hopefully I won't run out of time. I don't use any slides because my speech always goes here or here or here. So we'll see which way we get to. The easiest way to build self-confidence. There's no magic button. I can't say, hey, this plane is going down. Who can fly it? Put your hand up. I can. I'm confident. (laughs) (laughs) Repetition, repetition, repetition. Right? What does Malcolm Gladwell call it? Uh, The 10,000-hour rule? There's no magic button. I recruited a goalie from Columbia, South America one year. Uh, Big, tall, six-foot-three man. Uh, You know, he had hands like stone. I thought he was like flipper. Every time I throw him the ball, down, down onto the ground. I was like, oh my God, we're in trouble. Simple solution. Get to the wall, kick a ball against the wall, and catch it. Kick the ball against the wall and catch it. His goal was 350 a day for eight months. He came back. His hands were calloused. The moisture on his hands were literally gone. He is now playing in Europe. Magic? No. Repetition, repetition, repetition. The problem is we expect to be self-confident but we can't be unless the skill or the task we're doing is not novel, is not new to us. We want to be in a situation where we've created, we've had so much pressure in that, and what I mean because pressure builds diamonds, we want to be in a situation where, hey, I've done this a thousand times. I did my speech, and I practiced in front of the mirror. Hey, I'm sounding good. And then I went in front of my kids and and my wife. I was like, oh gosh, I got a little nervous. Then I get in front of Glenn Gould, oh my goodness, I'm a little more nervous. By the time I get to the ACG, where 2,500 people, can't say anymore, right? 2,500 people, where 2,500 people are there, I won't have a single ounce of nervousness because of my ability to practice, right? Over and over and over again. The problem with repetition is, how many of us bail after the first bit of failure? How many of us bail after the first bit of adversity? Edison was on that video. And depends who you ask, there's anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 tries to build that light bulb. 1,000 to 10,000. J.K. Rowling should be on that video. 
You know how many publishers she took her Harry Potter book to? I believe the number was 12 or 13. I don't, I'm pretty confident, but after two or three no's, I'd be like, dang it. After six or seven, I'm like, maybe not. Definitely after nine or ten, I'd be looking to be a soccer coach or something else beside an author. <laughs> right? I mean, 12 times somebody said no. But practice, 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 and do not accept failure. Maybe it shouldn't be repetition. Maybe the answer should be persistence. Because we all repeat something, but very few of us really will persist. So that's one way to build self-confidence. Get out there. Do what you want to do and accept no, do not accept no. The other one is self-talk. We all have a self-talk tape that plays in our head. Anybody go shopping and put on a pair of pants this week? If you're a woman, the first thing that always comes, damn, I look fat in these pants. And if you're a man, it's the opposite. Oh, God, I have no muscle. I'm so flabby. Right? We all have this tape that plays in our head. As a student, if they asked me the question, it was like, oh, gee, please, don't, please, professor, don't pick me. I don't know the answer. I, don't pick. I look down. Right? If you're in the, when I, let me tell you something, and the VP of business admin is here, so I shouldn't repeat this, but when they hired me as an athletic director, I sat in an architect's meeting, and I am as about as dumb as a post when it comes to anything to do with numbers and angles. And they're like, the uh, fundibulator valve of the uh, architectural, they're, 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 uh, what do you think, uh, Dr. Joseph? Uh, let me look into that for you and get back to you. <laughs> right? I was saying, oh, God, God, don't, please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. We all have this negative self-talk that goes in our head. Guess what? There's enough people that are telling us we can't do it, that we're not good enough. Why do we want to tell ourselves that? We know for a fact that thoughts influence actions. We saw it there with the, um, with the video Sheldon, Dr. Levy showed. Right? We know that our thoughts influence actions. Why do we want to say that negative self-talk to ourselves? We need to get our own self-affirmations. Muhammad Ali, what was his self-affirmation? I am the greatest. Who else is going to tell you? There need to be quiet moments in your bedroom, quiet moments when you're brushing your teeth, that we need to reaffirm, I am the captain of my ship and the master of my fate. That is my affirmation. I came from a school of 1,000 people. I lived in a town of 1,000 people for 15 years. There's no reason that I should be in charge of an athletic department building Maple Leaf Gardens. But I am the captain of my ship and the master of my fate. If I don't say it, if I don't believe it, no one else will. How do you build self-confidence? Get away from the people who will tear you down. There's enough of that. Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest. There is no one better than me. The difference between hubris and ego and false pride, it's just reminding yourself in quiet, silent moments. I put it down on a list. It's right beside my mirror, right? About all the things that make me who I am. Because I make enough mistakes, and the newspapers will recognize it, and people around me will recognize it, and they'll tear me down. And pretty soon, I'll begin to believe it. There was a time when my confidence was really low. There was a time when I took this job, when I came from Iowa, I don't know if I could do it. I had to bring out my self-confidence letter, a letter I wrote to myself when I was feeling good. Ivan, congratulations on getting your PhD before 40. Congrat I am 40, under. <laughs> congratulations on winning a national championship. Good job on raising three good kids and marrying the right woman. I wrote a letter to myself. It was my own brag sheet, 
my own letter about the things I was proud of. Because there are moments, and we'll all experience them in our career, in our life, and our job hunting, and our relationships, when we are not feeling good about who and what and where we are. And I had to bring out that letter and read it time and time again for a period of about two weeks to weather me through that storm. It was important. Stop the self-talk, the negative self-talk. If you'll watch, you'll see some athletes. They'll have a little bandage or a little um, brand around them. Uh, Lance Armstrong's a perfect one. What's his self-affirmation? Livestrong isn't a brand. It was to remind him of who he was. Livestrong. Then it became a brand. He would move that from one arm to the next arm when doubt and fear came into his mind. Livestrong. Put it on there. Let's go. We'll all have it. Replace it. Two ways to build self-confidence. Worried about my time, I'm going to tell you of one way that you can build self-confidence in others. We are coaches and educators. We are teachers. We are people who will create value in the world. And in doing that, we are critical by the nature of what we do. I'm a, I'm a coach. I want you to score a goal. Ball went over high. Dang it, the ball went high. Thank you, coach. I know that. Feedback tells me that. So what do we do? I need you to put your elbow or here. I need you to put your knee over the ball. I need to follow through. Boom, land, great. Notice I never made it as a professional. What can we do? We fix mistakes. When I'm fixing that mistake, Johnny, this is terrible. You need to bend your knee. You need to do this, this. What have I done to Johnny's self-confidence? Bend your knee. Think of this. Think of this. Next thing you know, Johnny's crushed. Ignore what Johnny does wrong and find Bob or Sally or Frida over here. Great goal, Frida. I loved how you kept your knee low, you followed through, and you landed like this. Great job. Johnny, huh? great. Johnny's not demoralized. His confidence isn't shot. And what I've done is I've built up Frida's. Imagine how we could change the way we parented kids. Instead of, get that glass off the counter, what's wrong with you? <laughs> if we catch them while they're good. Great job. Great job. Thank you, Alice, for taking your glass to the counter. It sounds simple, but we forget about it or as educators, or somebody as a team, if we manage to praise the positive behavior that we wanted to reinforce. We forget it. It sounds so simple. Catch them when they're good. We forget it. It's simple. Here's what they did. There was a study in Kansas that did this. They did video, and we all do video, and we showed the video of them doing the run of the play. Uh, this goal happened because the basket wasn't protected. We didn't rotate here right. We needed to do this, and then to cover the slot. And if that's the baseline, improvement of the Kansas State team went like this. Then they said they ignored all of that and they just showed them the times they did it right, the times they did it perfect, that presented no goals, spoke to the same points. Improvement went like that. It changed and revolutionized the way we as coaches interact with our student-athletes. We can apply that to the business world. We can apply that to our student group works. We can apply that to our management teams easily catch them when they're good. Last and certainly not least, my son is really good at this. Self-confident people interpret feedback the way they choose to. I asked my son, who is by the far terrible, terrible athlete, gets it from his dad. <laughs> the games, they win five nothing. How was the game? Oh, great. I, I scored three goals. I got two assists. I'm like, I did not see him touch the puck. But he has his own perception of how he did. <laughs> I love it. Right? 
I'm, the, I'm that guy. I'm like, I remember when I was taking my, there's, I, when I met my wife, it was in the comments. Ah, uh, Polly, I'd like to, would you like to go to the movies? Ladies? Tickle, tickle, tickle. And she goes, uh, she goes, um, no. I, 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 I ask her again, because I think that she just hasn't seen me in the right light. Maybe that's not the wrong shirt on, right? Because I'm interpreting that the way I want to interpret it. Finally, I ask her out again. She, she gives me this one comment, right? Or, or she sent it to her friend, because that's the way you did it back then. Uh, he would not, she wouldn't date you unless it was the last person on Earth that hell was freezing over. There was a small chance we had to save the planet Earth. Some people's like, there's no chance. I'm like, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> right? Because that's how I'm going to interpret it. If I could give you one thing to take from this, it is no one will believe in you unless you do. Listen to the words of that video. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes. We're supposed to be different, folks. And when people look at us, believe in yourself. Thank you. Welcome to Raising Independent Thinkers. This show is a space for families who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. We'll explore alternative teaching methods, federal and state homeschooling laws, and most importantly, this show is a platform where families can inspire one another on how to raise independent thinkers. I'm your host, Bathsheba Omani, Montessori educator, homeschooling consultant, owner of Homeschool Guide, LLC, and mother of two. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Good evening. This is your host, Beth Sheba, and you're listening to the Raising Independent Thinker Show. And I hope you all are doing well on this beautiful Sunday. I'm doing pretty well. I had a pretty good week. No complaints. So today, I thought I'd talk about things that we should allow our children to do for themselves. The title of the show is actually, it's called, I Can Do It All By Myself. And isn't that what a lot of our young children say? I can do it all by myself. Excuse me. So it's always been a goal of mine to encourage my children to be as independent as possible. Now, I have two young adult children. My son is 21 and my daughter is 19. And when they were toddlers, I thought for a while that being a good mother meant to make sure that, you know, I did everything for them, to make sure that things came easy to them. That meant dressing them, cleaning up after them, feeding them, but not really thinking about giving them many opportunities to do things for themselves. And I think that maybe it was because I was a young single mother and I was busy most of the time at work that I didn't really think about those things. But it wasn't until I started to realize 
you know, wait a minute, they can do a lot of things themselves and they want to do things for themselves. I will never forget the time um, I was looking for work at a child care center in New York. My son was around two years old at the time, and I found this small Montessori school. And in the school, I noticed how young children were doing so much for themselves. And when I say young, I mean two and three-year-olds, dressing themselves, carrying trays and baskets of work, cleaning up after themselves preparing their snacks, eating by themselves. And I realized that many of us do way too much for our young and older children. And not only that, we don't give them enough opportunity to do things for themselves. So when we allow our children to do things for themselves, we're building confident individuals who learn to make good decisions. And the foundation for this independence is laid in the early years of a child's life between two and six years of age. Now, some of you know that my son was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of three. And although he has issues with muscle control where he can't stand or walk without assistance, he is extremely capable of doing a lot for himself. So at an early age, I encouraged him to dress himself, to feed himself. And I remember when things got difficult for him, he would just keep trying until he was able to master the task. And I I actually pushed him a little bit more because I didn't want him to be solely dependent on someone else to do things for him. Um, So like the speaker had mentioned in the in the um in the video that i that I put out in the beginning, um the skill of self confidence, he talked about how we need to practice things over and over again in order to build self confidence um through repetition, so that's basically what my son did. He did things over and over again until he he was able to get it currently. I'm planning on getting our kitchen remodeled so that he can be more successful in cooking and heating up his meals. And I think it's in the minds of most parents that we want our children to be capable adults one day who will be able to take care of themselves. So one way to support your child in doing more for themselves and reaching their full potential is to prepare your home environment to foster their growth. So personal care and hygiene is an area where you can help your child be more independent. You know, what if they can't reach the sink to wash their face or brush their teeth? You might want to think about providing a step stool. What if they can't reach their clothing in the closet? You might want to bring the rods down lower so they can reach or provide hooks in the closet where it's at your child's reach. Make sure um, that things are available, such as their hairbrush, washcloth, toothbrush, toothpaste. And when you do these things at an early age, it allows them to be more competent as they get older. To encourage independence, always let your child do things for for himself whenever whenever they show interest in it. 
So if your child wants to help you cook, you know, take them into the kitchen and, and let them beat the eggs or tear the lettuce and explain to them the reason for the process. It's always important when we show them a task to, when we're showing them a task, explaining what the result is. Um, and then just enjoying the experience of working with your child at, at a common task. Of course, letting young children do things for themselves, making their own breakfast, putting their clothes on, brushing their teeth, always takes more time. And, can, and it can be difficult for some busy families. And that's why I always tell families to make sure that you um, give yourself time. Like I would always give my son a little extra time in the morning so that he would be able to dress himself since it took him a little bit longer. That way he could dress himself um, for school by himself. And I remember when my daughter was younger and she was learning how to write her name, she would write some of the, the letters backwards. But she was so excited that she accomplished what she felt was good. I, you know, I didn't want to correct her, but I just embraced her efforts and allowed her to, to learn naturally at her own pace. And, of course, eventually she learned how to write correctly. So Maria Montessori says, never help a child with a task at which he feels he can succeed. And I, I think when we help children, even when they can do things themselves, we're telling them that they are incapable. So let me just say that again. When we help children, even when they can do it themselves, we're telling them that they are incapable. And usually when a child starts to feel incapable, they eventually stop trying altogether. And that's not that's something that we don't want. You know, you start to see those children who just wait until their parents do things for them because that's what they're used to. <clears throat> when a child can't do something, then it's not our job to go in and save the day all the time. It's important for the child to try several times to see if they can do it for themselves. And we need to give them a little push in being independent and that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we never should help our children, especially if we see them struggling with something for a long period of time. Of course, we want to help them. But it's always a pleasure when you can just stand back and watch your child do things for themselves without any help. And it shows that you're doing something right as a parent. And I hope you all feel the same way. So I'm going to end with a quote, and this quote is by an unknown author, and it says, our children were created to be free and to feel powerful. We need to teach them to manage their freedom in an environment where it is safe to fail. Isn't that so true? So if you're needing help with creating your home environment so that your child can be successful and independent, please go to my website. It's home-schoolguide.com. Again, it's home-schoolguide.com and get a consultation. 
each area in your environment can be transformed where your child has the independence. So please get in touch with me if you need some support with that. And as far as our shows on Hindsight Radio, we have the Truth Tuesday show with Akeem L. every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And he's doing some wonderful things. We have Solomon Temple show every Wednesday at 10 a.m., learning all about health and wellness. And Tasia and Jessica show The Divine Connection every Thursday at 7 p.m. And, of course, my show Raising an Independent Thinker every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Peace, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Um, Hope you're all.